Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard, and we're back for another edition of Bye Bye Big 12. This week we're talking about TCU and what better person to have on than the captain himself, uh, Boaten Blake, uh, TCU alum, Oklahoma native, got to see the series from a very unique perspective. And uh, Blake, I uh, happy to have you on. This should be fun to have both sides of the coin on this one. Usually, it's just uh, just uh, us. Um, usually, me or Ty or Jameson just kind of clowning on the other side. So it, um, I'm sure probably going to be reflex re- uh, refreshing to have a a, <laughs> a, a a differing opinion kind of fight back. But Blake, how are you? And uh, yeah, welcome on the show. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, one team, at least in the series, will have somebody representing them to at least defend on the onslaught of, uh, I guess, the OU dominance that has been on the Big 12 uh, for a a long time, especially since the time when TCU joined. Uh, But yeah, I have a very unique perspective. I know uh, for longtime listeners of the show, I am the TCU guy, but I was once uh, in my youth an OU fan, a diehard OU fan, and then kind of around 2009 i was sick and tired of it and of all the bs and people getting mad at 11 and 1 10 and 2 seasons national championship appearances but not being able to finish it off and i just said screw it i'm done with this complaining i'm done with it so i'm going to choose some random small team in the mountain west conference at that point to start supporting and yeah i went to my first tcu game i believe it would have been like 2010 of against colorado state uh (laughs) And then then the next year when it watched uh, the Rose Bowl year, their season opener in Jerry's World versus Oregon State. And ever since then, I've been hooked. I've been hooked to the Frogs. So I've been here throughout the entire tenure of uh, the TCU-OU rivalry matchup within the Big 12. Yeah, no, I I mean, I can attest to it. You've been a longtime supporter of the Frogs and, you know, uh, then obviously attended uh, TCU. it's it's been really it's been a really fun rivalry and it's one of those where obviously the history is not super deep but there is bits and there are bits and pieces and i feel like in a lot of ways um from the tcu side a lot of significant moments happened um you know like big wins against ou even though they're few and far between whenever they do happen they usually denote like a massive season or a massive turning point for the frogs so i feel like Especially on the TCU end, I feel like there's a lot of significance there. Yep, it's when you're looking back at just like the few wins that o- uh, TCU has had over OU, they mark like every single time it marks a like pivotal historical season in TCU football. Like I know we only have two uh, within the Big 12 versus them, but those two seasons, 2014 and then 2022, uh, the season we just had, were two of the, or were the I would say the two best seasons. Uh, besides maybe 2011, but the two best seasons of TCU football by far. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit of a springboard. So let's, I'm, I'm going to do a quick little run through here. Uh, we call it, we call it the rundown of uh, the pre big 12 history, the big 12 history, just the facts, uh, hard hitting stuff. So before TC joined the big 12, um, they only met 11 times. Oh, you won seven of them, seven. So a seven and four record in favor of the Sooners. Uh, they won five straight times and played five straight times from uh, 1944 to 1948. Uh, But I think probably the most notable game uh, in the past was 1954. Uh, TCU actually almost ended. I don't know if you know this, Blake, uh, the Frogs almost ended Bud Wilkinson's 47 game streak, like in the middle of it. But um, (laughs) there was a, there was a fumble that happened and it was ruled in favor of TCU. But the guy was honest and came to the ref and was like, no, the knee was down it 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 was wrong and it got overturned he literally did the tell the truth guy commercial from the you never tell the truth that's why you pay the refs to like figure these things out you don't do their job for them if you're gonna do that get paid for it but don't i don't i'm not with honest integrity in college football that is not what our sport was built on well, honest integrity, you know, hey, TCU could have ended that moment, but uh, instead we are going to gloat about it forever. So thank you, uh, Frogs, for that one. Um, and then, you know, they only, they played five times in 15 years between 1993 
and uh, 2008. Ladanian Tomlinson played against the Sooners. Um, but I think for me and a lot of um, a lot of college football fans, kind of in our age, you know, this was a little young. But 2005, uh, the 2005 TCU upset was really the springboard for Gary Patterson and TCU's golden era. Uh, came into Norman, beat the Sooners right after they went to the uh, national championship game and lost USC. Um, and from there, I feel like that was like the start of TCU, like really being a thing. Yeah, because they definitely, they came out hot, like when Gary Patterson first got the job in like the conference USA, but that was the first year in the mountain West kind of in their floating landscape of not, uh, when they weren't chosen for the original big 12, just kind of floating around conference to conference. And really, I think this is like a very pivotal game for Gary Patterson. Like, I think it cements him as like defensive prowess, like what he is known for, for the longest time. Just, I know, like, I remember the game growing up just because at the time I was an OU fan and it was a big deal when OU lost at home like that was like the one thing OU never did and so uh just looking back at the box scores uh Adrian Peterson 22 attempts 63 yards and a touchdown that is insane for a guy that I think everybody uh growing up in Oklahoma idolized and who was an incredible player like that's the early version of Gary Patterson sell out for that Adrian Peterson, uh, the P uh, Peterson run game. And then that was the era of course of Brett Bomar and Paul Thompson uh, <laughs> and, yeah. just, and let, let them decide the game. So uh, props to Gary for the good game plan, like really isolated the one impact player. OU had at the time uh, a weird, a weird time in OU football, but uh, yeah, you are correct. It kind of put TCU on the map. Uh, whenever they did beat OU. Yeah, I mean, talking about Paul Thompson and Rhett Bomar, man. And that's what, what drives me wild whenever people, some people, especially people on this podcast, uh, try to talk bad about Dylan Gabriel, who, uh, of course, isn't lot like top, top tier. But Paul Thompson this game, <laughs> 11 for 26, 109 yards, uh, <laughs> zero touchdowns, one interception, a QBR of three. Uh, and then Rhett Bomar went two for five with that for 19 yards at a QBR of 12.9. See, I wish Twitter was oh, Twitter was prominent around at this point of time because, like, seeing what Spencer Rattler went through, and I like know like he had his flaws and his faults, and like we're costing OU games at points, but like when you put a Spencer Rattler uh, stat line versus those two, like it is night and day difference. Like, and especially this isn't a time where like, OU was bad at football. Like it's not like it, it had the exact same expectations as what was put on Spencer Rattler as Rhett Bomar and Casey Thompson. So I wish there, I wish there was social media around then. It would have been a hilarious discussion. Like those two were all time bad, like OU football quarterbacks, just because they fell within like a very, big golden era of OU football. Yeah. Uh, the, the Paul Thompson, Paul Thompson would obviously come back the next year, but Rep Bomer got kicked off the team for, uh, NIL deal. What well, basically <laughs> an NIL deal with big red sports and imports just would clock in and then leave <laughs> just horrible stuff. Uh, so, so the two, two of, um, the Adrian Peterson prime years were wasted by those two. So love it. But Paul Thompson though, like he did, he, I will say got better when he came back that, uh, that year in 2006, uh, when he, he moved to wide receiver and, and had to move back because Rhett Bomar was an idiot. Um, so credit to Paul there, big 12 champion, Paul Thompson. Uh, but yeah, no, that game I think was, uh, a wake up call for a lot of us. Um, it was the, it was the first like kind of bad year. OU had, um, in parentheses, we ended up winning a holiday ball, but, uh, but before that, like the worst thing I'd seen was OU like losing twice in 2001. And that's not really that bad. But um, anyways, anyways. So obviously when I think of this series before that, I think of uh, Gary getting us in 2005. Massive, massive, massive win for the Frogs. Um, there was a 2008 game. Sam Bradford beat him at home, but otherwise not really all that important. So Big 12 history. The Frogs joined in 2012. And OU leads the series 10 to 2 in the Big 12. And this isn't the end. We have one game left. The last Big 12 regular season game will be on Black Friday. The Frogs go into Norman uh, to end the series out. Uh, so that should be a good time uh, and, you know, uh, emotional because, like, for you and me, I feel like this series means different for 
means differently for you and me, you know, Jameson kind of tie tie as well, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say there's like bragging rights or anything, but there is a little bit of bragging rights. Oh, for sure. And like, it's such a fun game, I think, for like the four of us and all of our friends back home, just because it's like, OU on a year to year basis is like supposed to win this game. And like many times has, as you've seen with the season here, as uh, like series history, but like the few moments where TC really shines bright in this, like they are legendary moments. Like I remember whenever we won uh, back in 2014 yep. and like even thinking like that was so vivid in my mind that like if you told me that they owe you one eight times after that I it would not even compute in my mind just because I was like it's so vivid like we just beat them like yesterday like we can I think that's why like even when we were going through the down years of your Kenny Hills your Alex Deltons Ooh. your Sean Robinsons your uh uh, like we had some Michael Collins was in there for a little bit, Ugh. even those like the vivid memory of like the one time we did beat y'all always seems so close because I think it was so powerful, but yet like, OU was just rattling off wins, but I do agree. Like this, this series definitely means more to us than probably, uh, the average fan, but, uh, one that I'm still going to miss. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much going to miss the TCU series. It's a series you know, and, and we uh, end it usually in these pods by, you know, being like, oh, you're going to miss it. I'm going to very much miss this, probably more than most OU fans. I deeply miss it. Uh, always a fun trip down to Fort Worth. Easy, super cool town. Um, and it just it, it just was special. It was a really special period of time. And when we were both going to, um, you know, the respective schools going down there and, you know, just some really classic games. So let's. Do you want to start on? Do you want to, do you want to start with the joyous times for TCU, basically the bad times for OU, or uh, do you want to save that to, to for later? Uh, we can let's. How about let's start with 2014 because I feel right. like you have to do the history of 2014 and 2015 kind of together because right. they're they're very. I I don't know. I just I lump those two. Yeah, they're very intertwined. I feel like <laughs> yeah. So like 2014. Yeah, I, I think this might be a chron chronological type of pod. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, 2014. I, I think that was the first because OU and TCU like played played a couple close ones. Yeah. Uh, 12 and 13 were good, um, but 14 was where it really the first really significant one. Um, it was a Trevor Knight game where Katy Perry cursed us into oblivion. And um, yeah, OU entered ranked like fourth TCU unranked. Um, this was our freshman year. I vividly remember going going down there and y'all weren't very optimistic about your chances of winning. I, I seem to remember. No, uh, I think this is a theme that you'll see both in 2014 and then in 2022 is that when we, the times which we played OU in that season, they were so early on, I had no idea what to think of this team. Like, I think in 2014 at the time, we had we had smoked, like, Samford and SMU and then, like, beat pretty handily, like, Minnesota. So it's, like, one decently quality opponent, SMU, was, like, horrible at that time, and so was Samford. Yeah. So I really didn't know what to think of this team, and, like, the context of coming into this game was Trayvon Boykin was our starting quarterback. I had seen two years of Trayvon Boykin already before uh, this game even started. And he was horrendous. Like if you look back at those, even like the 2012, 2013 games leading up to it, like he played in some of those versus OU and was just in a, ineffective. Like it, it looked like the, uh, uh it, it it just like it looked like that three qbr type <laughs> type games and so come in and i was like yeah we're on a roll but roll against like all rightish to bad teams like i had no expectations of being ou especially an ou that was ranked four you see that like you see that single digit next to them and you just assume oh this is the ou team for my youth yeah, and the Sooners were coming right off of that uh sugar bowl win against Alabama a lot of people were projecting them in the playoff. It was a different type of year. It, it, people thought they would be really, really good. Um, and it just didn't quite work out. But um, yeah, I remember you mentioning when we were there, you're like, yeah, game one, when we saw uh, Trevon Boykin running out with the flag, you know, that's everyone started groaning. We, we knew we were in for a long year. And then he became one of the greatest players in TCU history. <laughs> So uh, funny how that it's funny how that works out. I, I have been on the back end of all the like, like 
uber famous, uber popular TCU players. I did not like Trevon Boykin starting that year. Completely wrong. Went on to be one of the top three quarterbacks probably in TCU history. And then this past year, I was like, give the ball to Chandler Morris. I do not want to see any more Max Duggan. I've seen plenty more. I've seen plenty of seasons of Max Duggan to know exactly what I'm going to get. We got to have somebody new behind center. And Max Duggan almost won the Heisman. So... (laughs) I've yeah. I've been on the if I'm out on a TCU quarterback, it probably means they're going to do well. Yeah, well, I am very excited to see who you don't like uh, entering next year. <laughs> but this one, this game was awesome. Uh, it was <laughs> TCU got off to a hot hot start. OU kind of bounced back, and it would went pretty even. OU squeaked out a little bit to a lead, but then TCU came. What what really sealed it? I feel like what the real dagger was. Um, that that pick six uh that um that trevor knight threw i believe to um i mean you would remember more than paul oh. dawson was it I yeah could i be think wrong. so yeah uh it was bad it just just bad pick six um oh you couldn't do anything down the stretch you know just kind of faltered and um you know it, it just couldn't the offense couldn't recover and ended on that hail mary and Blake, what were your what were your thoughts and feelings watching that ball just get batted down to the turf? Insane. Like it, I honestly thought he had caught it at first. Like I think my heart skipped a beat a little bit. And like I went back and rewatched the fourth quarter just to see. And it like on TV, it doesn't even look remotely close. Like it is so far. It is so far out of bounds. But like at my perspective, I thought like I was like, he caught it. Like I, this is how they're gonna rip my heart out because <laughs> I forgot, like, I remember the, like, emotions, but I'm so bad at, like, remembering, like, sequences and stuff. And so when I went back and rewatched it, this fourth quarter was ridiculous. We went, so, started off the quarter, TCU missed a field goal. Uh, that turned, that turned immediately into the Trevor Knight pick six. So, TCU now has scored, but then OU blocks the PAT, runs it back for a two-point conversion. And so, okay, uh, OU gets stopped, punts the ball to TCU, Trayvon Boykin then fumbles it uh, on, like, the, like, OU has 25 yards to score. Then Trevor Knight throws another interception. (laughs) And then TCU trying to, then after that interception, TCU trying to run some time off the clock. BJ Catalan then fumbles it. (laughs) And then uh, Pirine on the next drive then gets stopped on, like, fourth and short. So it was the most insane, like, the score did not change all too much in that fourth quarter, yet the emotional swings were, like, so drastic. And I remember that, and that's what I was thinking, like, oh, when I'm re- re-watching this game, I'm going to see these, like, back-and-forth drives, like, just throwing punches. It was, like, the exact opposite. It was, like, each team was trying to lose so bad and give the other team <laughs> a chance to beat them, and they would screw it up in, like, a more, like, royally worse way. Uh, so <laughs> dumb football, and... <laughs> It's just, it was so bad. It's just like, it was such a bad football, like ending of a football game, but yet it just like the, the emotions that come from it. Like, I don't even, like I could barely yeah. remember the fact that all that stuff was happening at the time. Just because, Oh yeah. Yeah. The, and that's what I, I wrote on my notes. I'm like, this is the, we beat OU game. Like that will yeah. always like, that will always ring true in my like head. The first time rushing a field in my life. And like that, that will, that will, that will, <laughs> I, I, that, like that's always going to be stamped in my mind of just like favorite games, like regardless of some of the better ones I've been to, it's just like that one will always like hold its place in probably like the top five in my mind. It's truly iconic. There's a great video of like rushing the field, uh, which we'll, we'll get to when he got a chance to recreate it. Uh, but that was, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was an incredible experience and you rushed the field. I was sitting in the upper deck. So my phone died and I had to wait for Blake to, <laughs> to wait for you to leave the field and just watch everybody celebrate. <laughs> it was the most, it was the worst, most painful thing. Um, but, but it ended up being a great night, a great time, uh, tr- uh, truly an awesome, awesome moment. Uh, that was a, the, my first uh, football trip, uh, my freshman year. So great times uh, to say the least. And then obviously TCU goes on that run. Um, but I, I still hear Weedem boys stuck in my head because they, you, you played it on loop, like loop <laughs> those yeah. like Trayvon Boykin years. They just like every single time our offense took the field, they would play it. And like, you have to remember, like, this was the time when we were running like one of the behind like Baylor and no, because Oregon Chip Kelly would have been gone. Like behind Baylor, we were running the 
fastest offense in America. And it was just constant. And like, even within drives, they play it. So I'm glad they started to like, they retired that after two years, like it, they play it every once in a while at games and people still go nuts. Like it brings back all the good memories, but yeah, like when the Kenny Trill years came and they're like, Oh, this is, this seems not as good. Like cut it out, boys. Cut they are out. not like, them boys. <laughs> they are not them boys. We're playing this on a lot of three and outs right now. Like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop this. So that's funny. Yeah. But legendary se- season for TCU ending. Um, and it was wild too, because it, the very next week was that Baylor game. And you went from like, just being happy to be like, I think you ended up being like what 12th in the next poll to you're like oh well that's a bummer loss to baylor but it turned out to be the the game that ended your season or not ended your season but left you out of the playoff yeah and like that's what's so wild it's like i was really sad because i went to the baylor game i was really sad after it and like speech like i was speechless on the ride home but like it didn't sink in enough because it's just like we beat OU, this, like, sucked, but, like, you're not thinking at the time it's, like, college football playoff, like, we didn't even expect to be here, like, Baylor was obviously a really good team, lost super close, like, the implications don't start hitting till like, the end of the season, you're like, oh, crap, like, this is actually really gonna matter, like, we're we're on a historical run right now, and this is really, like, they're really gonna screw us over this, so, yeah, it's just, it's wild how that works, like, it's just, uh, like, you can view things, like, you don't view things the same as you would now, just like looking back on it, because that Baylor game, it just like, it still haunts me. And I know Baylor fans love to bring it up, even though we've like destroyed them. Like we've destroyed oh, yeah, them of like m- majority of the years, but uh, yeah. I've definitely <laughs> seen them like quote that score be like, Oh, 51, whatever. And I'm like, that was like a t- almost 10 years ago. Like, I know that's why, and that's why kind of like, it's kind of me with the, we beat OU. I'm like, yeah, but we beat you in 2014. It's like, Blake, it's, it's, it's 2020. Like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> people have had, had careers one. and left them like <laughs> since, <laughs> since you, uh, since you witnessed that game, like you got to give it up, buddy. <laughs> it's funny. But uh, I will say, I did not give up that loss. At, like It stung with me, and it carried over all the way over to 2015, which was, if we want to talk about sloppy games, because 14 sloppy endings, 15 sloppy was a disaster of a game. And it's it's one of those where I, a lot of people on the OU side have a lot of like kind of fond memories of like, yeah, that was such an awesome game because of the ending and everything. Uh, it was OU7, TCU was ranked 18th, but like, the vibe was off. Um, TCU had just lost to Oklahoma State they, earlier. Yeah. Uh, Boykin like was out. Yeah, yeah, Boykin was out. And uh, we had lost Josh Doxson as well in the OSU game for the season. So it was just yeah. like, well, our like we had a dynamic offense, but those were our two best players by far. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like the hype for that. Like the whole season was like, TCU is going to be really good. They're ranked high. This is massive. And it just fizzled out like just at the end. Um, but man, what a game. Uh, OU starts off like super strong. Baker Mayfield, who will be saying his name quite a bit, was absolutely slinging the rock. And then he gets KO'd at halftime, gets gets spaghetti brained by one of your players, which screw y'all for that. And then we have to put in Trevor Knight again. <laughs> and then every, everything goes bad after that. So OU at, at half, at half, um, I, I I didn't write down the score because I'm a genius, apparently. But um, did, the they 23, 23, uh, 23 to 7 at half. Yeah, it was 23-7 at half. OU was rolling. And we, we scored seven points the rest of the way. Yep. Uh, Samaj AP ran 72-yard run. It was the only points in the second half. The offense just completely hit a stop. And it was horrible. But enough about me, Blake. What was What were your feelings like coming to Norman, bringing your guys up? um and being on the other side but like as a student of tcu what what was that like yeah i this game was just like frustrating in so many levels because it was like you framed it perfectly coming into this game you would have circled this one like end of the year tcu ou like this is probably going to decide the conference like who is like who's going to come out victorious here and what's so wild to me and like it kind of gets erased because i think of our bowl performance that year but it's just like tcu came into that season number two like we didn't lose much of anybody from that elite team from 2014 so like all the hype was around tcu 
TCU. Like something we'll probably never see again. Like especially after how the national championship this year went. Like we're not going to see that hype of TCU. But yeah, it just kind of came to a skid where uh, two weeks before Josh Doxson went down at OSU got thumped there and then Trayvon Boykin went down the next week versus Kansas got thumped there and we didn't do particularly well against Kansas and at the time this was really really bad Kansas so it's just like oh like the season's on a skid and then now we got either Foster Sawyer or Bram Kohlhausen coming in uh versus OU and I just remember traveling down for this game going to the tailgate and I did not realize how cold it was going to be. I think I was in like a light jacket, maybe some jeans and like tennis shoes, but it was like the kickoff. I looked it back up just to make sure I wasn't lying. It was like mid thirties. Like it was was brutal freezing. So it was not like it was a night game, freezing, great, great atmosphere. But I'm like, it's one of those things after 2014, really since then, we really haven't had any expectations to beat OU. Like every little bit went out the door without Trayvon Boykin, like without Doxson, I'm like, okay, we still have a puncher's chance. Like we still have one of the best quarterbacks, but like after that, I'm just like, well, we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah. The run was only affected this game. Like Foster Sawyer started the game for us. Horrendous, just horrendous. And, uh, and so we switched to Bram Kohlhausen at halftime, came back. Bram Kohlhausen just ended up being like the comeback specialist. Like I know it didn't like work out here, but like, that's not his fault per se on why it didn't work out. And so, yeah, come back uh, down 23-7, bring it to 30-29. Uh, and then the infamous, what should Gary do in this situation? And I've seen him do this before, and it worked out great for us. I think it was in, like, 2010 uh, with Boise State, at Boise yes. State. And it worked yes. out worked out perfectly. But... In this this situation, I think you had to take all factors into consideration. OU was in a landslide. Like, they were on a landslide. Like, they were not doing well after halftime. Like, you could tell once Baker went down, we had the momentum. Granted, like, we weren't, like, lighting up the board, but I think had some momentum that you would like our chances in overtime to at least do something. It's like, oh, you could barely move the ball, but Gary goes for two, of course. And that's how we end with the score of 30 to 29. That, and, yeah, uh, the legendary Stephen Parker back down. Uh, incredibly stressful situation because OU, like they had just completed this really cool run, lost to Texas midseason. And the week before was um, the start of that really brutal championship November run where had to play at Baylor, uh, TCU, and then at Oklahoma State the next week. So we were just like, oh my God, we have this playoff chance and it's gonna, it's going to come down to Baker getting hurt and just this awful comeback and it was more relief than excitement you know when we when we won it was wasn't like oh my god what an achievement it was like oh my god we survived um but um yeah uh what what a moment it was it was one where after after the game when we're all hanging out uh at the after party and everything i don't think anyone was really all that happy (laughs) everyone was just kind of emotionally exhausted (laughs) Because that's the worst, like, it's it's always, it's the hope that kills you. Like, we always say this, and it's just like when I go into a game and I expect nothing, and then you start giving me something, it's just, it gets you, it gets you so riled up. It's like, even though I know we're playing terribly, like, the fact that we're somehow in this, like, you get that hope, and it was just crushing. It was cold. Like, I do agree. I think people probably romanticize the game a little bit. But it was it was a brutal watch. I just remember it was a lot of three and outs, a lot of just like Slog. miss miss throws, and just like oh, like this is. <laughs> if if Bram Kohlhausen had a movie though, this would be like the opening scene, and yeah. then the finale would be him beating uh, Oregon a couple weeks later. So he got his he got his moment in the sun. Yeah, yeah. So that was obviously massive. Um, Twenty sixteen, you know that one. I don't think uh-huh. is super notable. Baker just absolutely stomped tcu again uh he was one and one and two and it kind of ended up um it ended a, a losing streak you know um yeah we, we'd lost to houston and ohio state but just put up crazy numbers with mixon p ryan westbrook just started that run where we went undefeated in the big 12 won the title great stuff um not a, not a lot to say there yep i agree this kind of just started like that baker domination yeah, but now we get into the pain, the real pain, Blake, because you, you did mention like 
not you know like oh that 2015 might be the last time there's like a lot of hype for tcu against ou uh 17 though back in norman number five ou number six tcu um and i mean this this one was also massive uh just just huge but not a great game oklahoma just came out firing from from the jump um just an absolute beatdown. um it what uh 38 14 at halftime uh ou ended up uh winning 38 to uh 20 so yeah. rodney anderson 290 yards from scrimmage four touchdowns baker had 883 yards and three touchdowns it, it was just it was just an unreal game tcu could have come in higher ranked but they lost iowa state that year i think right yes it was yep iowa state yeah Not iowa state yeah that one I feel like that one was 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 pretty tough. Yeah, it's uh, that's the thing. I was like going back. I'm like that season was weird because like yes, there was those expectations coming in because it was like we started the year unranked and then we're just like slowly building up. Like one at OSU, one at ranked West Virginia. Like we were beating some pretty decent teams. Like one at K, like K State or. K State. And so we were beating good teams, but we, it just felt like it, Kenny Hill, it just Kenny Hill as your quarterback. I don't know. I just never felt great about it. It's like if we can't, if we can't beat y'all in 2015, like I don't really have as much hopes for this. So maybe it was just like me, like I saw how Baker had dominated. Like Baker, if we're gonna talk enemies, like enemy probably number one of TCU, considering his history, considering kind of like all that uh jazz and how he ended up at OU and how TCU kind of plays a little bit of a part in that. But like matchup-wise, like five versus eight, like I understand why it's uh, why it's like painful. It just didn't feel, I think like it's not like we were undefeated and lost and that's what kept us out. It's like when you kind of lose on the road to Iowa state, it's just, you know, I like seven points. <laughs> like There was, there was never any expectation. I think of this team to make the playoff. And maybe that was just because it's like 2014 was like, we had our best team probably ever and still didn't make it. So it's just like, what's, what's the hope of like getting your hopes up for playoff. But uh, yeah, even like when we made the big 12 championship, game that year it felt kind of like a backdoor into it it didn't really even feel like it wasn't like yeah like we're gonna be competitive with OU it's like oh this is kind of cool like I get to go like I get to go to Arlington and like go to a game it just like felt like the expectations were off there especially like especially whenever we had played y'all and y'all just crushed us the first time yeah because Oklahoma State ended up finishing I believe they finished third that year in the conference so like they I don't know what was going on with them, but yeah, TCU just kind of was the one to be there. And it was, it, I will, oh, here's the thing. I think we misremember that, uh, that championship game because of the final score. Uh, TCU was in it at halftime. Like it was, yeah. it was a close game. And then, OU just kind of broke it open at the half. But I feel like that's how I like looking back at a lot of these scores. That's how OU would play us a lot. It's just like they would kind of keep it close around halftime and then like blow like the blow the doors off of us the second half or they would just blow the doors off of us and like not make it competitive. It was like doors were being blown open. It just depended on when when they were going to happen. The Baker avalanche just always was going to happen. And this this completed his, his run against TCU 4-0 against the Frogs. Yeah, um, I have him as easily... Yeah, I don't want to get into heroes and villains yet, but let's just be honest. Baker Mayfield is definitely the OU hero, TCU villain. Villain, yeah, uh, I think it's. I think that's a consensus one of one because it's like it's the talent coupled with like the history there of him, like supposedly kind of getting recruited to TCU, but then uh, Gary didn't like Baker, uh, Baker's dad, and so didn't offer him, and then he goes and walks on at Texas Tech, and so like there's that angle of it. There's the angle of like OU just probably having one of their best teams of all time, like surrounding him. And then the fact that like he's so cocky, like he is so damn cocky. And like, if you're going to be cocky, at least be good. And like, I, I will give him that. It's like he was, he was, de he definitely fulfilled that. But yeah, like he's the ultimate villain. He's like, if you have him on your team, you absolutely love him. If he's against, if you're playing against him, you absolutely hate him. And that's why like he'll always be like one of the best or like, 
one of the most infamous or famous college quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, he's he's definitely infamous for, the, for sure uh, around Fort Worth. I, I remember the I feel like other than Texas Tech, because naturally um, TCU definitely had the most most kind of, you know, fraternity painted signs uh, more than uh, anybody else. So I'll give them credit. They they did a good job of hating Baker. Um, but, um, yeah, 2017, I, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think this, I think it's hard to pick which game is really like the apex of OU TCU for me, just in terms of how I felt it has to, but yeah. it has to be the big 12 championship. Yeah. Uh, it, it's both together, but that like winning a championship in the stadium, like is different than how you would win it. And um, when they just did round Robin and, you know, you had the one true champion where they give out multiple (laughs) ones, it just didn't feel the same, but going to Jerry world, knowing you have a championship game, getting the first one back, it it was, it was a really cool moment and, you know, submitted OU and, you know, we knew we were going to the playoffs. So it was, it was a big deal. So absolutely. uh, I'm going to call, I'm going to give that one my, my favorite OU game. So I'm going to stamp that one. Um, But yeah, uh, after that, you know, not a ton of really interesting uh, OUTCU games. We went through a bit of a dry spell there. Uh, 2018, Kyler just kind of beat them standard. Uh, That was one of those, like, kind of close at halftime and then just, like, completely ran away with it at the end. (laughs) Exactly. Just kind of pulled away. Uh, 2019 was Lincoln Riley special where you get up big and then collapse, almost give up the game. And then... uh, yeah, TCU had another comeback, Max Duggan and crew, uh, yeah. baby Duggan, uh, but just couldn't get it done against Jalen Hurts. Um, that was yeah, a- I looked up, like, you look at the final score and you're like, that game was close. And then, like, look at the yardage, OU 511, TCU 204. Like, it was OU domination the entire time. And, like, the fact that TCU was even remotely, like, close in the final score in that game is just preposterous because yeah. OU, domin- OU dominated them. <laughs> Yeah, he just disappeared, foot off the gas. Uh, 2020, exact same type of game. You know, close game. Spencer Rattler and crew goes in, turns it on, gets a win. Um, and then 21, you know, that's also just kind of uh, Caleb Williams went off and was awesome. Uh, a lot of those games had Max Duggan in it, but none of yep. them, none of them were as notable as 2022. Uh, Blake, you finally get a chance to talk about the good things that happened to TCU. Uh, again, a bookend, uh, if you will, of this, of this podcast experience. And, uh, my God, uh, what a game that was. Um, I, I mean, obviously it was very recent, you know, uh, less than a calendar year ago, but OU fans, I think we're a little tepid. We didn't know what we were getting into because, you know, was that Kansas state game a fluke? I don't know how to feel about this. You know, I don't know how to feel about TCU yet. Uh, it looked weird against SMU. And oh my God, <laughs> did they look impressive? An absolute beat down for the ages from the jump. Dylan Gabriel goes out early, but you know what? It wouldn't have made a difference. That TCU team was on a different level. And it it's like, they took those eight years of anguish out on the Sooners and, um, Wow, what can you say? What can you say? It was an absolute beatdown. Horrible time. Yep, it was. I, I like 2014 will always hold the, the place in my heart of my favorite TCOU game, just because of like the closeness, the like recency being our first game, like on a college campus, uh, like for our like little mini rivalry. But yes, like this year, it was the most stunning thing because similar to how like I alluded to the fact in 2014, TCU like had like a three game like stretch beforehand against like not very good teams. It was like pretty good. Like same thing happened this year. It's like beat SMU. That was a big hurdle beat Colorado. Colorado ended up being like horrendous. We now have seen that because they've hired Deion Sanders after that season. Weirdly tight game at half. (laughs) Weirdly, very, very tight game. And, and like Chandler Morris went down in that game and he was supposed to be our starting quarterback for the year. So it was like, that game bred the Max Duggan, uh, the Max Duggan revival, which I was really mad about because I didn't <laughs> want Max Duggan starting my team. But yeah, that was the ultimate. It was like the, it was just so, just so quick. 
it was like right out of the gate, TCU just dominated them. And I know Dylan Gabriel went out and that kind of like started the narrative of like the headhunters at TCU last, <laughs> last year. Like some of them, that one was the most like, was bad. I would, it was agreed. That one was like, because that one was actual targeting. Like it's like an actual, and then it like started to like, devolve into its like player slides and like bangs head on like offensive lineman's knee and like goes out with a concussion They're like see tcu's <laughs> taking them out they're taking them out and it's just like i had to anytime. watch that one on, i had to watch that one on replay because i missed it i was going down to get an emotional support bratwurst because we we're already <laughs> getting slaughtered so i was like all right let's try the amon g carter bratwurst uh, experience see if it's any good and the i guess like the canary in the coal mine when it comes to tcu football seems to be the ou game because it was like trayvon boykin back in 2014 like slung it run it like ran it for like a like a few hundred ran for a hundred and then max duggan did the same 300 passing yards 100 rushing yards it just seems like ou that early like early game uh ou like really sets the tone for the season because like after that we all know how it ends. Uh, TCU goes on to the national championship, gets blown out, but still, like another another dream season that it always starts with that early OU game for some reason. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the sign, you know. It's it's time for TCU to you know just and you know maybe that's that's something better should do is if TCU randomly beats OU, it's like oh shit, like let's go, like they're about to go on a run because they always do. Um, the, the, the thing to me that I just can't get over with this game, though, is how many massive touchdowns TCU had. Just like, like it, egregious. Tay Barber, 73-yard pass from Max Duggan. Max Duggan, 67-yard touchdown run. Um, Gunnar, Gunnar Henderson, 62-yard uh, touchdown pass from Max Duggan. Kendra Miller, 69-yard run. Unreal unreal yeah. that's why it was like even with without dylan gabriel it was like it was a total defensive collapse it was just like tcu was like having their way with ou that day and i think kind of like it doesn't feel like that one felt it trust me it felt glorious i had a great time and i was loving every single moment of it but it's like when you compare it to 2014 it's like 2014 you really felt like ou was a great team and like you had no like i didn't really have as many like doubts going into the game about it i'm like we just watched trevor knight like last season how he ended it like this ou team's good and like this year i felt like going into it is like this OU team has holes and we just don't know. Like, I think more of the question was like whether TCU is like good enough to exploit it type thing, but it didn't feel like it was like, this is a vintage OU team. Like we are like crushing, like, like where it felt like in 2014, I'm like, I didn't think OU season was going to end bad. I'm like, this is a real OU team. And like, we're taking them to the woodwork type thing. And this year I was like, Oh, rookie head coach that, we were all kind of like a little bit up like at the time it's like up in air whether like he has a handle on this and yeah but it still felt great like at least that one wasn't a close game i finally got my lashing y'all got plenty of lashings on us <laughs> and i wanted i wanted it on the action so i finally got my one it was a lashing it was a lashing all right 34 10 at one point uh and then at halftime 41 17 just a total total just a, a beat down it was it was i i, I never I think the only time I was sitting there, I'm like me commiserating with Jameson and uh, our friend Garrett. Just it was like the worst. It, it was it was like watching Rome burn, man. It was, it was like OU doesn't lose like this in the regular season. We've seen it in the Peach Bowl. We had seen it against you know USC uh, in like 2004, but we were just like this is the worst game I've ever seen. And then we yeah. waited a week and uh, got beat even worse in the Cotton Bowl, which I will say. TCU and Texas could have eaten OU worse. They could have run it up more. <laughs> it, yep. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. Uh, so, uh, look, hopefully things get better for OU. Uh, we do have that uh, 23 game look, to look forward to. Um, obviously, way too early to preview that. Who knows what Oklahoma football or TCU football will look like this season. <laughs> I feel weird. like I feel like we are uh, nice little speculative products this year. Like, sure, you kind of know some of the character, like some of the players going into this, but it can look like it could look totally different than what it can last year. Yeah, I know all you fans keep pointing to me that all the close games, but you know, like it can it can still go that way. It's not yeah, still as lose. you've learned, you can lose, you can lose twelve coin flips in a row, Bobby. Okay, yeah. like these aren't. <laughs> yes, you can. 
just because yeah. just because it happened uh, five times in a row doesn't mean it can't happen six more times. And, and hey, just like on TCU, you know, you won a bunch of close games last year. That could flip it too. Could flip. Yep. <laughs> so what we should have to look forward to is just two really mediocre football teams going at it uh, in November. Probably they'll probably just balance it out. I I I would be fine. I'm like I think most TCU fans have pretty high expectations. I'm fine. Like this year, it would be a little disappointing, but I'm fine with eight and four. Like it's hard, like especially for a school our size to go to the national championship with a pretty senior team, like a lot of juniors. You're gonna lose a lot of those guys. Like that's their biggest draft shine. That's gonna be their biggest buzz ever. Like I think same reason why Max Duggan wins. Like a lot of a lot of those even just like third, fourth round guys. Uh, I totally understand, but yeah, like if we could just level up the program, get some of our youth in there, develop them and like go eight and four, nine and three, I would be very happy with that season. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a realistic way to look at it just with how much talent left, but you know, that's just part of building a program. And yeah. you know, that's, that's the thing about TCU to me is they've never really, and they still don't, uh, way too many people disrespect TCU to this day about, about last year, they were like, oh, you got blown out. Yeah, but they made it there. They still beat a really good Michigan team. And I, I feel like that program is, you know, every time you think they've reached their top or be like, oh, well, they lost, but they'll never come back. They always find a way to climb back up and get a little bit better. And I, I don't know. I think TCU is a program that uh, I genuinely think the best day still might be ahead of it. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the Frogs, uh, to say the least. Um, let's talk about the biggest OU villain or the biggest TCU villain for OU. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's because... hard. So this is, I, I kind of like heroes. I have like, because there's the obvious there's the Trayvon Boykin and then there's Max Duggan, but I want to hear your thoughts. There's, I, I came up with one, uh, for our two big 12 wins against y'all. And <laughs> I think it's a consistent theme across it, okay. but I want to hear what you have come up with. So here's the thing. Both Boykin and Duggan were one-hit wonders. They played against OU in the past, struggled, but when they got their one, they got their one. So I I, I don't think, if you wanted to go from player, it would have to be one of those two, but it doesn't really fit. But there is one name who I think fits, and it's not really a player. It's Gary Patterson. Not only did did he have his biggest win against, uh, (laughs) against OU in 2005, started all that, uh, but he was he was he was a pain in our side. Always always difficult from a defensive perspective. Uh, got us in 2014, and even though he wasn't around in 20, uh, 2022, he was at Texas. Just, he, yeah. So he still bit us. He, he just he just moved on to our biggest rival and uh, blanked us in one of the most embarrassing games ever. So Gary Patterson to me. And then after that, he, he went over instead of celebrating, check the TCU score. So he is a, he is a frog uh, at heart always, and he 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 has to be he, he has to be the villain. But even then, he doesn't even feel like that much of a villain. I, I don't know, Blake. Who 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 do you have as the biggest like TCU tormentor? Yeah, there's that. Like, I think that's probably like if you're gonna go consistent, that's like probably the best one. Just because, like, if you look at those like 2012, 2013. 2015 like the games were gary patterson it was like gary patterson bob stoops it was pretty close like it was always pretty close uh then like the offense revolution happened and that's kind of what put gary patterson in the dust and so i think it was like lincoln riley's like the epitome of that so it like really buried him that's why i think those games really got ugly but the two wins that we had it's our wide receiver twos that were like the biggest problem for y'all so it's so wild. I look back at 2014. I'm expecting Josh Doxson to go off on a huge game. It isn't. It's Colby Listenby, the track <laughs> yes. star. And like Colby Listenby throughout his entire TCU career, he eventually went back to sue the program for <laughs> like abuse against Gary Patterson, like being too hard on him in practice, which there's probably there, the truth probably lies in the middle there. But uh, yeah, Colby Listenby went off and he not only, like, he only for us was really a burner. Like, Kobe Listenby was the classic, like, one catch, 62 yards, and, like, a touchdown <laughs> type of guy. But the, when I was re-watching this game, he was doing intermediary routes. He was, like, he was physically, like, imposing on these corners. And I'm like, where was this about our entire career? Like, he was, he was doing little comebacks and curls and, like, taking hits. Like, he was such a finesse guy. 
that I was just like, and he was the one like he he went for over a hundred yards uh, on five catches, so he did have that burnability. But like he was doing some stuff like that, and then last year it wasn't Quentin Johnson who was burning everybody in the Big Twelve; it was Tay Barber. So it was just like it was always our wide receiver twos for some reason uh, that were burning y'all. Uh, not really an enemy, but also another common theme, a lot of run game between OU and TCU, like a lot. Like I looked up that Jalen Hurts game whenever he played us the one year and he had like only like a hundred, like he only had like a hundred passing yards, but he had like 200 rushing yards or something crazy like that. Like it was, it was an insane game that like these teams, even when Lincoln Riley was there, were like playing like physical running running style football so yeah there's not really like a i guess like a tormentor per se but just some fun trends as i was trying to find one just because we really only had two one-offs and both those quarterbacks played y'all at least twice so yep i think that's that's the best way i've heard anyone break it down i think that's a good way to look at it you know it's and it and weirdly enough it's so so you know symbolic of tcu you don't expect it you don't expect the wide receiver two to sneak up on you and spit blood at you but that's what that's what the frogs do no one expects the frogs but here they are every other every blue moon they come out and you know make a title run yep it's always the random like that's why everybody complains always about our punt returners and all of our random other like fast weird gadget pieces that like somehow end up like influencing games like that's what people always get frustrated with tcu about it's never like our wide receiver ones running back ones it's always like the weird gadgety gadgety stuff that we always roll out there yeah yeah um cool yeah i'm trying to think other other sport history not really much any of anything basketball was a big nothing uh baseball had had a couple had a couple series but nothing you know remarkable you know no uh big tournament ties i mean tc murdered us in one tournament uh, a couple years ago but that's all i can really remember um but yeah, no football. I think I think we all can uh, all can agree that we're gonna really really miss the football. Yeah, and I think like even for just like the average OU fan, like what's really gonna like be missed uh, when like the move to the SEC comes is just the location. Like it's probably nice for OU fans to have like one of their away games within about three hours of them. Like that's something that is not going to be seen as much in the new SEC. Like you're going to lose your OSU, you're going to lose your uh, like TCU, and like obviously you'll still have like uh, the Texas State Fair and stuff like that. But I feel like OU fans always get excited to go to the DFW area. Like I saw the same thing when y'all are playing SMU. Like you're excited to come to Dallas for uh, just like another random game. So it's like an easy travel opportunity, and I feel like a lot of the OU fans like really rolled out for every single game that was in Fort Worth. <laughs> Yeah, always a delightful little drivable game, even though even though uh, the Big 12, every time we played TCU, made it as inconvenient as possible yep. because it was always either the week before or the week after OU Texas. Yep. So you had to commit yourself to back-to-back weekends in the Metroplex, which was... Uh, <laughs> I would, it wasn't a problem for me, but I could see how... It, I could see it as an... It is. Like, I'm, I'm doing it this weekend. I'm going back to Austin for like twice in two weekends and you know it's just like it's just like the wild that i have to come home for a few days just to like drive back there like it's just always it feels weird it's yeah never fun but you know tcu nice stadium nice area really cool campus um always always loved my time there shout out to uh shout out to university pub great great bar one of my favorite college bars ever Uh, if not the my favorite college bar ever hands down um yeah, it's 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 a really good spot. I'm gonna miss it, and you know, I think uh, I think it's definitely going to be a destination for the new Big Twelve going forward. Um, and Blake, who who are you? I, I know? OU wasn't the primary rival; it was always Baylor. But who are you gonna fill as the uh, secondary rival for TCU? Ooh, I don't know. It's been the. The good thing, or I, I don't know if it's a good thing, but like I feel like some of the other fan bases with OU and Texas leaving have started to become more vocal within the DFW area. And I say DFW area because one of them's tech and all their grads live here. They do not live anywhere near Lubbock nor go to the games out there. So I think tech is going to be probably a natural to SMU has started to like feel emboldened after they think they're going to the Pac-12, but 
going to the Pac-12 probably means the Pac-12 is being scrapped in some sort of way. <laughs> and so I don't think it's as good as like, they think they see it as like, oh, the Pac-12 is just going to be so much better than the Big 12. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. Like if they're, they're be like going to the in. Big East. Back yeah. when the Big East was dissolving and TCU got the invite. TCU joined and, joined and then proceeded to leave before even playing there. Like, and I, I think we had to pay like a good chunk of change in order to leave. But it was just like when the Big 12 came knocking, it's it's a no brainer. You say yes. You say yes. yes. You say yes. You say yes. And uh, so, yeah, we'll have like natural natural rivals i think kind of fill those areas especially now with byu coming in a classic mountain west u of h just kind of like three hours away from here like the good thing about the new big 12 is like we're getting a lot more regionality and some of those like weird rivalries in the past but it is like the the most wild thing is just thinking about it it's like once ou and texas leave the expectation i think on tcu fans significantly changes year to year where it's like when OU's in the conference and OU's rolling, it's more like, can we possibly just challenge OU? Whereas like the mindset once OU leaves is you have to be like, it's conference championship every single year. Like that's what you're really shooting for. It's kind of like what OU, the OU's mindset is like currently in the big 12. So that will be a very, very interesting shift. I'm going to miss OU in kind of having as like a secondary rival, like only to me, I'm going to miss beating up on Texas and owning them and owning their school i know they were excited when they got their 2024 schedule release and they didn't see the frogs on there anymore because my god uh how ou might have owned us in the big 12 we kind of did the reverse to texas destroyed and texas we, we just destroyed texas and like even years where we weren't good uh we were still competitive granted they've not been i would say the best program but hey they have loud mouths and they talk like they are so oh yeah put themselves out there we we dominated them so i i love it i i always loved patterson and them rolling down just smacking texas every year and it's it's funny because it's like they never learn they they thought they were beating y'all last year <laughs> like yep. oh yeah this is where it ends for tcu and then the frogs just put up a totally dominant performance defensively I think if I remember correctly, TCU was like opened as like a nine or an eight point underdog going into that game. And I was like, when will you learn? <laughs> when will you learn that like we always, even if we're going to lose, we're going to play close. <laughs> like we're yeah. not, we do not just like roll over for Texas. That was the one thing we never did while we were in the big 12. <laughs> uh, that is true. That is true. Well, Blake, I think that is where we're at at the end of the podcast here. Um, any final words before we, send this thing off no i'm just excited for i know conference preview season is coming up probably in the next month month and a half so oh, we're almost there i've already oh. sketched it out after the yeah. big 12 after the bye bye big 12s we're getting into it yeah and i'm so excited i've already been cracking open my uh this is like you haven't gotten the good guides yet the college football guide so i got some lindy's and some like athlon <laughs> college football like i think Ooh. athlon probably had some budget cuts because they used to have i think like a full page for g5 teams and now they have like four to eight like four to eight teams for one page it's just like a little three sentence blurb so getting excited for conference preview season that's always great big 12 preview looking forward to that one of the one of my favorite pods especially on like kind of the weekend spread side of things where it is very communal and very we are we go we go line by line cover every single team within the big 12 so excited for uh to see the end of the series it's been really cool that y'all have been doing this and then excited for college football to start we're in that dead period so i'm, I'm already itching i've already looked at the schedule for the first week so i'm ready yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Like that that week zero, it's oh. not it's dirty, but it's 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 gonna be. Fun. You need it. You need it. You need that just little. It's like edamame at a sushi restaurant. It's like, <laughs> is edamame the best thing? It's no. like it's a no, but it's like it's something to chew on. It's something to take your mind off how hungry you are and just like hold you over for your rolls to come. And like that's what that week zero slate is. So week I'm ready zero. To, as that's edamame. what I'm ready for. That's all it is. It's like the best edamame I've ever had is like when you add like a little bit of like spicy salt or something to it. Yeah. Like give it a little bit more flavor, but you know, it's just you're it's holding you over to what you really want. The spicy salt edamame is like Nebraska Northwestern. You know, yep. that's when it gets weird. Um this one I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to diving into it though. It's it's way closer than I think we think. Uh yep. and I'm 
I'm just very, very, very excited about it. But um, yeah, Blake, well, thanks for coming on. Always good talking with you. Uh, I will say um, these, these, these pods have done well. These, these videos have done pretty well uh, so far, except for Texas tech. Texas tech oh. is the one is the one bum, like bad video. Like that has not gotten a lot of views. The Red Raiders slept on it. So hopefully we can show out against them. Yeah. TCU TCU hopefully rolls out for you. And not only that, they gotta show up for you. You're here. You're here. You're you're uh you're, you're a frog. They gotta show up for your fellow uh I don't know, horn frog. So uh we'll see how it goes. But you you don't you don't wanna be associated or be lower than the cactus gang. I do not. I do not. It, it would be a, it would be a hit to my pride for sure. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Blake, that is all we have for today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening and watching as always. If you like this, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we got, a, as Blake mentioned, we've got a lot of really, really good in-depth college football um, stuff coming big 12 previews. Um, this isn't just an OU football show. We, we do be, when, when Blake comes on, we do general stuff and mainly a lot of big 12 stuff, you know, whatever we can spread comes, we pick all the big 12 games. Uh, which will be a little bit harder this year because we have more games, uh, <laughs> but it'll be fun. Uh, so yeah, Big 12 folks, stick around. It'll be uh, you know good stuff coming. So um, yeah. So for me and Boat and Blake, this has been the Schooner Pod. Bye bye uh, TCU. Um, and uh, yeah, until next time, have a good one, everyone. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>